This program is brought to you by Bobbleway Media, under the oversight of the elders of the Chipman Road Congregation in Lee Summit, Missouri. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. Welcome to the program today. This is Don Boyd. I want to welcome you to Opening the Scriptures. You know, hell is not a pleasant subject. It's a subject that most people would rather not even think about. You know, when the preacher, the Bible class teacher, or someone like that brings up hell, we think of eternal fire, horrible darkness, weeping and gnashing of teeth, an eternity of punishment separated from God. But as we see the responses we get from a lot of people, you would think that hell is going to be a place they shall greatly enjoy. I worked with a man one time that we were discussing scriptural things and he said, I know I'm going to hell, but when I get there, I'll be so busy greeting old friends and things like that. We'll be having a good time and I won't even know I'm there for a long time. Well, from the things that they say, the way they act, to some people, they believe hell will be a place of great blessings. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, today I want to examine, and this is the title of the lesson, Five Blessings of Hell. Now, what are they? Number one, hell will be a place where people are not bothered by the Bible. Elliot Lesser, who is an atheist, wrote this, and I quote, I do not despise any Bible. I respect it for what it is, a book essentially of myths, pseudo-history, and short stories. I do, however, abhor the depravity, violence, and the fear and hate that it endeavors to incite in people." Unquote. Humanist Manifesto Number 2, which was written in 1982 on pages 15 and 16, state this, and I quote, we believe, however, that traditional dogmatic or authoritarian religions that place revelation, God, ritual, or creed above human needs and experience do a disservice to the human species. We find insufficient evidence for belief in the existence of a supernatural. It is either meaningless or irrelevant to the question of the survival and fulfillment of the human race. As non-theist, we begin with humans, not God, nature, not deity. We can discover no divine purpose or providence for the human species. Humans are responsible for what we or we are they or I can become. No deity will save us. We must save ourselves." Unquote. 
So you think about it, they're looking forward to a place where the Bible won't be there to bother them. Well, what about this no deity will save us, we must save ourselves? The Bible states in Acts chapter 2, and we want to begin reading in verse 36 down through verse 40. Acts 2, 36 to 40. After Peter's sermon there on the day of Pentecost, he stated this. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have cruci excuse me, crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward, the American standard says crooked, generation. So when we look at what Humanist Manifesto states, what atheists state about the Bible and about salvation, we see that it is very the opposite of what the Bible has to say. Jesus came to the earth and died for us to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He's given us a plan of salvation that we must follow in order to have eternal life or everlasting life. And then he says, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Well, does that mean as Humanist Manifesto says, no deity will save us, we must save ourselves? Absolutely not. Because if it was not for God's part in our salvation, we would have no salvation. You know, many governmental officials and groups such as the ACLU have launched an all-out attack on the Bible. So what they're trying to do, and they have succeeded in many places, in getting the Bible and God out of schools and out of governmental offices and out of the workplace and out of many other places as well. But you look in the Bible, let's go back to the book of Hosea. Hosea chapter 4, we want to read verses 6 through 9. Hosea 4, 6 through 9 says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. I want to stop there for a moment. You know, it wasn't until Madeline Murray O'Hare came along that God was taken out of the schools. You look at the school curriculum prior to that, and a lot of the times the Bible was used to teach people to read and such things as that. And yet, whenever that took place, well, I just a little history here. I know whenever I was in the first and second grade back in the 60s that we actually said a prayer before we started, before we went to lunch. We would say the things that needed to be said there in the morning before we started classes. 
and things such as that, and we would refer to God, and we would have a prayer. So, you know, God, God has been taken out of schools now, and you think about it, if children are taught that they are nothing more than a naked ape, or nothing more than an animal, how do you expect them to act? But anyway, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. As they were increased, so they sinned against me. Therefore will I change their glory into shame. They eat up the sin of my people, and they set their heart on their iniquity. And there shall be like people, like priests, and I will punish them for their ways and reward them for their doings. You think about the nation that we live in today. How many people have a knowledge of the Bible? You go out and you look and you talk to your friends and such, and they don't have a clue. The Bible is something that they are not taught. They are not even interested in learning about. So our nation is destroyed for a lack of knowledge. In Isaiah chapter 30, look at verses 8 through 11. Isaiah chapter 30, verses 8 through 11. It says, Now go write it before them in a table, that would be on a tablet, and note it in a book, that it may be for the time to come forever and ever that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, See not, to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits, Get you out of the way, turn aside out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. In other words, we don't care to know anything about God. We are interested in the things of this life. And you just look at our nation. What are people interested in? Well, you look at the football stadiums or any sports stadium, you know, on Sunday or whenever. People are flocking there. People flock to have power. How many people are running for, you know, public offices and things such as that? Especially whenever you get up the state and the federal level. People want power. People want wealth. People want money. People, I mean, just on and on and on you could go. And they don't care majority don't care to have God in their lives. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 1 through 4 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 1 through 4 says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom preach the word 
be instant or be ready in season and out of season. In other words, when they want to hear it and when they don't want to hear it. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables, which is what we read earlier by what the atheist stated and what humanist manifesto number two stated. Those are fables. Those are untrue because people don't want to hear sound doctrine. The Bible stands in the way of how people want to live their lives and they don't even want to consider that they will be held responsible for their actions in this life. Now you look at 2 Timothy, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 10 and 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 10 and 11. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may give, may receive the things that are done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. I'm going to stop right there. People don't want to know what the Bible has to say about how they must live their lives. So they don't care to know about it now. Why would they care to know about it then is their thinking now. But it'll be too late then for them to change their mind. You know, the Bible stands in complete contrast to every denomination in existence and with every other false religion. What am I saying here? Oh, you think about Baptist, Methodist, Episcopalian, Mormon, Jehovah Witness, on and on and on you could go. The Bible stands in complete contrast to them, just as it does with Islam and Buddhism and Shintoism and every other false religion as well. And you know what? Whenever they enter into hell if they fail to repent and obey the Bible, then they will never be bothered again by the Word of God. You know, in Matthew chapter 15, verses 7 through 9, Matthew chapter 15, verses 7 through 9, Jesus said there, Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And that is what is being taught in every denomination, and in every non Christian religion, I guess you would say. But you know, there is coming a day when the Bible that they so despise will never aggravate them again. 
you know, to the atheist, they will no longer have to try to explain why the universe exists because they don't have a good explanation now. The Bible does. In Psalm one, uh, Psalm nineteen, verses one through six. Psalm nineteen, verses one through six. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit to the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. You know, whenever you look at the complexity of the creation, not just the earth on which we live, but at the universe that surrounds us. Evolution is nothing but a poor hypothesis. God is the one who creates it, and you look at the complexities, there had to be a designer. You know, you don't just go out in the ground somewhere and dig up a Microsoft Hewlett Packard laptop. The same, you don't just go out and find the beauty, the complexity of this universe we live in without a designer. Well, also, the sweet story of redemption through Jesus Christ will never again grate in their ears because they will be blessed in, in hell because they'll never have to hear it again. They'll never have to hear Jesus say, as he said in John 14:6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. There are those who teach there are other ways into heaven, many different ways. Well, we know from Matthew 7, 13, and 14, there is only one way. Where it says, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way which leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Well, there will be those who don't want to hear that anymore. And those who teach that it doesn't matter what a person believes just as long as they are sincere, they'll never be bothered by the words of Jesus again. If when they are in hell, Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Matthew seven twenty one to 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, 
Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works? Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So, teaching of the Bible will not be done in hell. Those who so hate it today will be sheltered from its teachings. You see, hell is a place where they will be free from what they consider that horrible book, the Bible. Well, what's the second blessing of hell? Well, hell is a place where people will not be bothered by biblical morals. Humanist Manifesto number two, this is on page 17, and I quote, we find that moral values derive their source from human experience. Ethics is autonomous and situational. Happiness and the creative realization of human needs and desires are continuous themes of humanism. We strive for the good life here and now, unquote. Well, the book of Judges mentions people that lived in that very same attitude. Judges chapter 21, verse 25 says, In those days there was no king in Israel, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. See, that's situational ethics that they were talking about there. That's the good life that they want. They want their needs and their desires to be fulfilled. And you read the book of Judges and you see the very same thing. On page 18 of Humanist Manifesto number 2, it states this, and I quote, in the area of sexuality, we believe that intolerant attitudes, often cultivated by orthodox religions and puritanical cultures, unduly suppress sexual conduct. The right to birth control, abortion, and divorce should be recognized. Neither do we wish to prohibit by law or social sanction sexual behavior between consenting adults, unquote. Well, you know, the Bible also mentions something about that. Over in Romans chapter 1, verses 22, or let's begin in verse 21. Romans, or verse 20, excuse me, that's what I was trying to say. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 20. It says, For the invisible things of him, that being God, from the creation of the world are clearly seen. We saw that in Psalm 19, 1 through 6. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. In other words, what he's saying there is we have no excuse 
to not believe in God and to not obey God. You know, verse 19 there says, Because that which was known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it to them. Who's the them? Verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. We're looking at all those who do not believe in God and those who do not want to believe what God says. Now let's go to verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Well, that's what we just read on Manifesto number 2, pages 17 and 18. Verse 22. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. How did they become fools? Well, we see the right to birth control, abortion, divorce should be recognized, do not prohibit by law or social sanction sexual behavior between consenting adults. They became fools. And change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man, into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through their lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up to vile affections or vile passions. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Today, that's called lesbianism. Verse 27, and likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, the word unseemly there means indecent, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. So verse 27 is talking about homosexual men. Verse 26 talked about homosexual women. Verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, just what we read in Isaiah 30 earlier, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication. I will stop there for a moment. I was reading an article the other day, and I don't know what news site I was reading it on. But there is a specific sexually transmitted disease, and I think they called it super gonorrhea or something like that. But it says that that you know antibiotics aren't affecting that anymore. But what was interesting to me, just this one specific sexually transmitted disease, it stated there are 700,000 new cases of it in the United States each year year, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication. You see, that's what causes sexually transmitted diseases is fornication. And God said, don't do it. 
because he knows what happens to the human body when that is done. But anyway, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, which is troublemaking, full of envy, murder, debate, which means strife, deceit, malignity, which means mischievous, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, which means violent, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection. Now stop there for a minute. What is one of the primary examples of without natural affection? Abortion. The torture and execution of unborn children without natural affection. Implacable, which means truce breakers. Unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death not only do the same but have pleasure in them that do them or they consent with that evil lifestyle. You know, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were obliterated because of the grievous sin of homosexuality. And yet you look at the moral meltdown of our nation and it appears that most people have the same attitude toward morals that we read about there in Romans chapter 1. Influential politicians, the media, Hollywood, many religions are proclaiming long and loud that homosexual homosexuality, what the Bible calls unnatural and evil, is nothing more than moral and innocent. Look also at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. There we have homosexuality again, transgenderism as well. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And then you know what he said in verse 11? And such were some of you. What happened? They changed. They made different choices. They chose to be thieves and covetous and drinkers and revilers and homosexuals and transgenderism and having the morals of a barnyard animal. But he says, such were some of you, but ye are washed. Washed how? In the blood of Christ through baptism. Ye are sanctified. You're made holy by God in that process. Ye are justified. You're made just as if you had never, <clears throat> excuse me, had never done those sins. 
How? In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Again, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were obliterated because of the grievous sin of homosexuality, yet our nation wants to make that as normal as anything else. You know, Bishop John Shelby Spong of the American Episcopal Church made this comment, and I quote, and there are a lot of others who are doing the very same thing. Contemporary research is today uncovering new facts that are producing rising conviction that homosexuality, far from being a sickness, sin, perversion, or unnatural act, is a healthy, natural, and affirming form of human sexuality for some people, unquote. I guess he hasn't looked at the diseases that are caused by fornication. Will few, if anybody, see see anything morally negative about drinking, dancing, or gambling anymore. Filthy four-letter words once rarely heard in public, even by grown men, are now constantly heard by women and children on TV, commercials, everything else. And people think it's so funny when they hear a child curse or they hear their the word hear say the same words that their parents are speaking. You know, over in Ephesians chapter 5, look at verses 3 to 6. Ephesians 5, 3 through 6. It says, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. And then, go ahead and read down through verse 6. For this you know that no whoremonger, that's a fornicator, or unclean person, or a covetous man who's an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. And then in chapter 4, look at verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. You know, our magazines, our books, our movies, our TV programs, our music, they have all adopted the corrupt standards in their efforts to make money. God's law concerning marriage and divorce is either unknown or ignored by most people in our nation. You know, in Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 through 9, Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 through 9, it says, The Pharisees came unto him, that being Jesus, tempting him and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. They twain shall be one flesh. What's the marriage relationship? Man and woman. And that's all. Verse 6. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. They say unto him, 
Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and put her away? He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered or allowed you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. So the reason for the putting away, the divorce, Jesus said, must be the adultery on the part of the other spouse. Not sometime in the future, but right then. But people don't want to hear those things. They can't be they can't stand to be reminded of the Bible's standards of purity of heart, tongue, and behavior. They despise the Bible's praise of righteousness and self-control and warnings of judgment. You, know, you think about it there whenever Paul was preaching there to Felix and Drusilla in Acts chapter 24. Verse 25 says, And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled. American Standard said he was terrified. And answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I'll call for thee. Felix didn't like it either, and he trembled. He was terrified. But Bible morals... They stand in the way of the things that people want to do in their lives. People aren't terrified anymore. They will be. You see, there's coming a day in which they will not be bothered by the morals taught in the Bible. The Bible's influence will no longer interfere in their existence. Bible morals will exist only in their tormented minds because nobody in hell is going to be teaching them. What a great blessing, huh? Third blessing of hell. Hell is a place where people will not be bothered by faithful saints. There's not going to be anybody knocking on their door, trying to talk to them about the Bible, get them to study. They won't have to put up with their faithful Christian neighbors trying to speak with them about Christ. They won't be bothered by visits, phone calls, or pieces of mail from faithful Christians, you know, house to house, heart to heart. You ever got one of those letters that said, please take me off your list. I don't want to receive your correspondence. Well, the answer I always give is it's done by mailing routes. And if you don't like it or don't want it, just put it in the trash like you would any other piece of mail. But people are that way. But when they enter hell, there's not going to be one faithful Christian there to bother them. Surely hell will bring relief to those who hated to see faithful Christians come their way. Well, what about the fourth blessing of hell? Hell is a place where people will not be bothered by faithful preachers and Bible class teachers. Hmm. According to the Bible, there will be plenty of preachers in hell, some who were even once faithful. You know, going back to Matthew 7, 
15 through 20 this time. Matthew 7, 15 through 20. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. And that's when we read verse 21, Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, not your own will or anything like that. Well, in Romans chapter 16, look at verses 17 and 18. Romans 16, 17, and 18. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they are such who serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. The word simple there also means the innocent. There are false teachers all over out there in the brotherhood, and every denominational preacher is a false teacher. You know, these are the preachers that teach people what they want to hear. Going back to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they shall, or shall they, heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned to fables. In Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 31. Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 31 says there, the prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means, and my people love to have it so. And what will you do in the end thereof? And then as we read earlier in Isaiah chapter 30, there's people that don't want to hear the word of God. They want to hear lies. They want to hear how good they're doing. They want to hear how good God is going to bless them if they'll just send some money to some false teacher somewhere such as that. But you see, residents of hell don't want to hear the entire truth. They can find a preacher who's more willing to accommodate them and they won't be bothered by a faithful preacher or a faithful Bible class teacher trying to get them to obey God's will, they'll never again have to hear repent or perish. In hell, they'll never have to tell the preacher it's none of his business how they live. They can look forward to their existence in hell where no faithful gospel preacher or Bible class teacher will be a nuisance to them. 
And then the fifth blessing of hell. Hell is a place where people will not be bothered by faithful elders. Faithful elders oversee the congregations as shepherds oversee a flock. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, Acts chapter 20, verse 28. It says there, Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. You see, faithful elders, watch out for our souls. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. You see, there are those who resent being called or visited or taught by good elders. They want to be left alone. They don't want to be instructed on how they should be faithful. They, you know, hell is a place where faithful elders will never try to visit with them again. They will find shelter from those pesky men who seem always to be telling them what to do and what not to do. They can look forward to hell because there will not even be one faithful elder there to bother them. You know, those who find themselves in hell for eternity will at last be rid of those righteous things that bothered them so much in their lives on this earth. But you know their shelter from such will be no consolation for their misery. They'll remember those who were faithful and tried to get them to live a righteous life. They will remember the words of the Bible and the morals by which they should have lived. They will vividly remember the opportunities they rejected. They will yearn for just one more chance. But there won't be another chance. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. Hebrews 9, 27 says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. No second chances. This life is the only life we have. This is our proving ground. And we're either going to be proved prove ourselves to be worthy and faithful to God or we're going to prove ourselves to be unworthy and unfaithful to God. And the Bible, it is the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. 2 Timothy 3 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. 
and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And the result of that, verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, the word means complete, truly furnished unto all good works. And the Bible is what we will be judged by. In John chapter 12, verse 48, John chapter 12, verse 48, Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. You see, hell is not a place of refuge for those who reject the Bible, the Bible's teachings, and those who try to get others to obey. Hell is a place of eternal punishment and eternal separation from God. I know the title of the lesson, The Blessings of Hell, well, it may seem that way today for a lot of people, but there are no blessings in hell. So again, this is Don Boyd. I want to thank you for tuning in to be with us today, and we look forward to seeing you the next time. When you're in Moody, Missouri, you're invited to visit the Moody Church of Christ, located on Highway E in Moody, Missouri. The congregation there meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then again at 6 p.m. for Sunday evening worship. They also meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. We thank you for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Media by visiting our website, BibleWayMedia.org. You can find all of our podcasts on all major podcast platforms. As always, we thank you for listening.